The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. We have got an amazing show for you. Our guest in the conversation this week is Anne-Marie Otanez. I'm getting her name right now. I botched it during the interview. But uh, Anne-Marie, an incredible person. Uh, Not only is she a longtime friend of mine, we've been friends for more than 30 years, but she was a member of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for more than six years. We are going to hear all about what it's like to be a member of the choir. It's just a great conversation with a great person. And in the My Latter-day Life section, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, when I sang with a big group. It was not the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, but one time in my life I did sing with quite a large group, and I'll tell you all about it. Uh, One slight correction during the conversation, I refer to President Eyring as Elder Eyring, and I mention uh, him being a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. Of course, I know President Eyring is a member of the First Presidency. Just during conversation, uh, I misspoke. Please forgive me for that. And without any further ado, here is this week's conversation. All right, friends, today in the Latter-day Lives <laughs> podcast studio, we've got such a special guest. This is a, a special thrill for me. One of my oldest friends in life is here, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But not only is she one of my dearest, oldest friends and one of the sweetest people I know, but she spent six years as a member of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. La, la, la. <laughs> Please welcome Anne-Marie Ortonias. Otanias. Otanias. There we go. Darn it, I messed it up. I should have asked you beforehand. <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world for me not to say Anne-Marie St. Felix. I know, Because right? I've known you for more than 30 years as Anne-Marie St. Felix. But Anne-Marie Otanias yes. is a newlywed. Yes. Yes. So uh, what day did you get married? We got married August 4th of this year. You are a true newlywed. Oh my gosh. So excited. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Chris. Chris is amazing. Chris is my Comic-Con, Star Trek, loving. Yeah? Oh, Uh that's great. Sweetheart. Um, We met online, so going online works, people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It actually works. And I just adore him. He is the sweetest. And he wanted to be here, but couldn't. He's cooking for me. Finally. Yeah. Hey, he's cooking for you. You can't argue with <laughs> no. that. That's a good man. So yes. congratulations Thank on your you. wedding. I could not be more excited for Thanks. you. So a little bit of uh, history. When Anne-Marie and I went to the same school together <laughs> oh my in sixth and seventh grade, <laughs> and I don't know why, but we decided that uh, they needed volunteers to run the equipment room, <laughs> the ballroom. We went to the country school of Almaden. Yep. And the country school was run by Nan Hunter, yes. who was the daughter-in-law of Howard W. Hunter, mm-hmm. who was the prophet. And uh, what we, a sweet lady, wasn't she? Oh, oh that was a great school great too. And and actually, their son Jimmy Hunter was a good friend of ours. Yep. Went to school with us. But Anne Marie and I volunteered to run the equipment room, <laughs> and so on lunch break and. And uh, during recess, we would sit and we would check out soccer balls or whatever, and we would sit and talk for hours. And then we became (laughs) such good friends that we would talk every single night. Uh 
And I had a phone with this long, stretchy cord, so and I'd be I. in my room, <laughs> and we'd sit and we'd talk. We'd mostly argue about uh, Duran Duran. Duran Duran, because I love Duran Duran. Because Anne-Marie loved Duran Duran, and I liked Motley Crue and Rat, uh-huh. and we would argue about who was better. <laughs> we would talk for hours until Anne-Marie's father, who has the most intimidating voice I've ever heard, <laughs> would pick up the phone about 11, 11.30, and he'd say, Anne-Marie, it's time for bed. And he had this booming, deep voice. <laughs> And I'd go, good night, sir. <laughs> and oh. uh, Anne-Marie and I have been friends ever since. Yes. So we'll talk uh, about Anne-Marie's life. Anne-Marie, tell us a little bit about your life growing up. Where were you born? So I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn girl. Wow. I, yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is uh, so I had left when I, well, my family left when we were nine, when I was nine years old. And when I go back and I talk to my family, they tell me, oh, we can hear the New York accent. And I tell them- In you. No, I'm so California. Yeah. I am so California. There's no way you can hear an accent. And yeah. they they proclaim that they can still hear. But you remember New York. You I left do. when you were nine. So you I have Brooklyn memories. I remember the snow. I remember my family. Yeah. And my dad got a job transfer to California. So then we moved out there and mm-hmm. I love the beach. It's funny that I'm in Utah in the snow because- Chris, my sweetheart, loves the snow, and I'm a beach bum, and now we're talking about where should we move? And of course, (laughs) I want to be close to the beach. Yeah. And he's like, Chris loves the snow. I love the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to marriage. I I know. (laughs) Compromise. That's what it is, right? Yeah. So were you, and were you raised in the church? Was your family always LDS? We were not. So my mom was Catholic, and my dad was non-denominational Christian, and I remember when we Join the church, actually. And we are friends with the missionaries who baptize us, uh, which is amazing. So um, we moved in 1980, 1981, and I went, right before I went on my mission, I wanted to find the missionaries who baptized our oh, family. Cool. And I decided I'm going to do whatever it takes to find these men. So the church, I mean, they have records on everyone. Yeah. And so I wrote them a letter. First, I called and I said, how do I get this information? And the woman said, send us a letter that we can read and then we can forward it to these men if we still have their information. No way. So I sent how them a cool. letter. I sent a picture of when we were baptized. I sent a picture of us when we were older. And how old were you when you were baptized? I was nine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So right, you were baptized in New York yes. before no, you No, I was baptized in California. Oh, in, right in after Cal- you left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I sent a letter and I said, I don't know if you remember us, but here's our information. I'm leaving on a mission. I would love to hear from wow. you before I go. And this is like, this is my favorite story. So one day I'm at work. I was a security guard. <laughs> wow. I worked for Sony. Cool, cool. And this call comes through on my cell phone. And you know, when you're at work, sometimes you don't realize that this is a personal call. And I off, and I answered it, Officer St. Felix. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And this man gets on the phone and he says, hi, this is so-and-so. Do you remember me? And I'm just flabbergasted. And I'm like, yeah. I remember you. Oh my gosh, where are you? What's going on? He says, well, I want to come for your farewell. Let me know when it is. And I said, it's on this day. And I gave him all the information. We exchanged our phone numbers. And for my farewell, this one elder showed up. And my dad and my mom, I mean, it was just tearful. How emotional. Because we hadn't seen them since I was 9, 10 years old. And here I'm 22, about to go on my mission. Incredible. And I thought, well, you know, one out of two is not bad. I'm glad that I got a hold of him. And he's like, please stay in contact. And we have stayed in contact to this day. My brother actually went to their daughter's wedding a little while ago. And so, and they live, they actually live in Lehigh. Yeah, incredible. They moved there. So I'm on my mission and then... 
So I served on Temple Square. Yeah. And the unique thing about Temple Square is obviously members and non-members alike like to visit. And we get notes all the time. So-and-so stopped by to say hi. And of course, you don't ever run into people because you're out serving. Sure. And I get a note that says, hey, Sister St. Felix, this is Elder So-and-so, one of the elders that baptized you. I live here in Spanish Fork. We'd love to take you and your companion out to dinner. Can you get permission? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'll get permission. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This will happen. This is going down. Met him and his wife. They took us out to dinner. Again, just amazing, amazing experience. So fast forward to um, coming to Utah. Moved out to Utah. My brother was going out to school here. He, I gave him the information for the one elder. They stayed in contact. And I decided I wanted to have a barbecue and invite both of their families over because they hadn't seen each other since our baptism. No way. So here we are with both of their families. To see the two of them, the one is like, hey, elder, hey, elder. And they hadn't seen each other. Ugh. The one missionary told us that when he came to our home, they had run out of copies of the Book of Mormon. Mm. So they gave my dad a Doctrine and Covenants and said, read this. So for me personally, Doctrine and Covenants is a hard book to read. Yeah, for me too. No, I do too. I struggle with Doctrine and Covenants. It's great, but it's just tough. My dad supped it up. Your dad. They came back and he's like, this is a great book. Do you have anything else I can read? (laughs) This is like a missionary's dream. (laughs) I know, right? So they're like, well, we've got this book called The Book of Mormon. He's like, hand it over. Let me read but this. Your dad, your dad is, I mean, you know, from what I've gotten to know him over the years, your dad's very intellectual. Yes. Your dad is one of the smartest guys. I mean, he is just. He's the smartest he's man I know. He's got a scientific mind, yes. you know. And so I can see him really loving Doctrine well, and Covenants. And the, the wonderful thing is that he's just, he had read the Bible and he loves the Bible. But, and this is going to sound like it's straight out of the missionary manual, but this is my life. My dad's reading the Bible and he's like, there's stuff that's just missing. <laughs> <laughs> So enter Book of Mormon. He's like, oh, now it makes sense. Oh, okay. Now it's complete. <laughs> I get it. This totally makes sense. And so we were baptized. You know that like this, this is a conference talk. I mean, I this know. doesn't happen, Anne-Marie. <laughs> it's so great. Well, so then I'm asking the elders, I said, tell me about when you came to visit my dad. And they, like the story is just hilarious to me. It was a rainy day in San Jose. Yeah. They knocked on all these doors. Nobody let them in. The one elder said, we were sitting on the bus trying to figure out where we were going. And I literally felt something push me off the bus at the head of your street. No one let us in but your dad. Incredible. And he said, afterwards, we just had a feeling about your family. And he said, in his patriarchal blessing, it says that he would uh, he would bring a family into the church that he would see grow up in the gospel. Oh. And he says, I've kept in touch with nobody and just your family. And when you contacted me, I was so excited. And when you join the choir, they have a setting apart. You can invite close friends. They were part of my setting apart. I mean, just... This is the greatest missionary story. I mean... Incredible. Seriously, great friends of the family. Yeah. Have them in my Beautiful. phone. Love these guys. Beautiful. I call them my elders. Well, that, you'll <laughs> have to tell them to listen because the story's amazing. I mean, that's that's tremendous. And you... you so your family gets baptized when you're nine, when which I'm is nine. a great time to come into the church, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so your brother, Serge, would have been... He was six. Six. So when he turned eight, one of the elders got special permission to come back to to be able to see my dad baptize Incredible. my brother. So great. Yeah. And Serge, such a good guy, your oh, brother. He's, a rock he's star. just great. You have such an amazing family. <laughs> 
Beautiful family. Thanks. Really just beautiful. So you grew up in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, did you stay in San Jose? Because I left on my mission and we lost touch. Yeah. Did you stay in San Jose until you left on your mission? No. So I actually, I went to Dixie College in St. George. Oh, yeah. For a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> That I love was a Dixie. fun little experience. Yeah, I bet. Ended up meeting one of my closest friends in the world who I call her my sister, Kim. Yeah. I love her. Great. So going to Dixie yielded that beautiful blessing for me. Um, and then I lived in uh, Provo. I did a stint in Orem. I, <laughs> I did not want to be called on my mission to Utah. So I figured if I lived in Utah, <laughs> they wouldn't call me to Utah. The best laid plan. Right? So then right before I get ready, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go home for a little while, send my pictures from San Jose, and get called to the Temple Square Salt Lake City, Utah mission. Mm. My sweet brother, when I opened the mission call, laughed. He laughed. He's like, you're going to Utah. (laughs) Like, you're such a bad brother. (laughs) Well, and I would say, though, I mean, what an incredible, please tell me you were super excited. I mean, Temple Square. I was not super excited. You were not. (laughs) Wow. I was not. However, this is, I mean, every missionary will say, wherever you're called, there's somebody who's looking out for you because that was the best mission. I love my mission and i get to revisit my mission yes and not everybody gets that oh, you know opportunity so I great yeah it. you don't live far from temple square at all well so i got called to my mission twice i got called as a proselyting missionary and then when you serve as a member of the mormon tabernacle choir you're called as a musical missionary oh so, so temple square is just this haven oh, for you oh it was i mean amazing. incredible amazing so i i told everybody that when I got my mission call, I didn't care where I went in the world. I could go stateside, international. It makes no difference to me. I'm, I'm not going to South America, and I don't want to speak Spanish. <laughs> and I get called to Chile, Spanish speaking, of course. Um, yeah, but and yet, I same thing. It was the best mission in the oh. world. It was the only place I could even imagine. Yeah. So when you're on Temple Square, did you have, what interaction did you have with the choir when you were a missionary? Oh, not very much. Because they would come and they would rehearse and you are proselyting. So even though your space is really limited, we would joke that we had 10 acres to proselyte. (laughs) Temple Square sees over millions of people every year. Yeah. And so you've got folks that have never been there that have very limited knowledge of the church, people who do have some knowledge of the church and they just want to go someplace where they don't feel like they're going to get pounced on. And it's safe. I mean, just all kinds of people are coming there. So you're literally teaching all of the time. Yeah. All of the time. Yeah. So it's, it's funny when I've gone to Temple Square, um, sometimes the, you know, the missionaries will approach us and go, hey, folks, where are you from? Uh-huh. And we go, Lynn in Utah. And they go, oh, great. Good to see you. And they <laughs> kind of move on. Like, <laughs> I always yeah. laugh. I go, do we look that Mormon? <laughs> I always want to, I always want to go on to Temple Square and then have somebody say, where are you from? Oh, I'm, you know, from out of the country, but I had this dream about a building oh, no. and that I was going to meet two young people, but that would be very cruel. That, that would, would be, that would be well, uncalled for. And every now and then we would have some interesting experiences with well-intentioned members who didn't think through what they were doing. And yeah, you just, sure. You're like, oh. It takes all types. Yes. We're a big church, and that's for sure. <laughs> so you serve this awesome mission, which actually 
that was when we reconnected. Yes. It was I found out you were on Temple Square and my wife and I had just gotten married and we just moved to Utah and we came up and got to see you on Temple Square. That was so fun. That oh. was that was great. Great experience for us. And so then after you finish your mission, uh, where do you go from there? So after my mission, I let's see, I go to school. I get my degree. I live at home for a little while. And I'm just trying to, it's funny, I'm trying to figure out, you know, when am I going to get married? Because, you know, I've served my mission. Checklist, and, right? You know? the, Mormon, the Mormon checklist. <laughs> the mission's done. The degree's done. What I, do I need to do? Time to get married. So I go to the University of Utah for a little while. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to BYU. I think I want to go to the U. Let's see. And I had a great time at the U and uh, decided, I think I want to go back to California. So then I go back home and I apply for the University of Phoenix because I just want to get school done. Yeah. And at this point, I'm like, mm, marriage is probably a little bit later for me. So let's just make sure that I can take care of myself. Yeah. And you knew that then. You thought mm-hmm. marriage is going to come later. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I figured it would come at some point. And so Very I'm living cool. in California. I'm living in LA. I'm having these amazing experiences and just kind of, you know, doing your thing. Yeah. So, and now let's go back to singing. At what age did you realize, hey, I'm a singer, I got a voice? So, back to country school. <laughs> back to the country school. When they had choir, my brother and I participated and I loved it. I, a sweet memory that I have with my dad. So, when we joined the church and we would go to church on Sundays and sing the hymns, his favorite hymn was, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. Mm, beautiful. And so, my dad would have me sing it to him just oh. when we were at home. How great yeah. is that? And it's it's my favorite hymn because yeah. it's our personal memory. And I've just always had this thing with singing. I've always had a fascination with singing. And so when I did serve on Temple Square, we were able to go to some of the choir events. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, that's an amazing choir. I remember uh, Gerald Otley at the time when he was the conductor. Yeah, sure. Did a fireside for the sisters on Temple Square. And wow. I told him, hey, I'm going to sing in your choir. And he very sweetly says, you need to grow up a little bit, but okay. <laughs> it's like, well, I am growing up. Yeah. I'm grown. I'm, I'm on a mission. <laughs> come on. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm 22 years old. Brother Otley? Yes. Jeez. So singing has always, I've loved music. It's always been a part of my life. And when you were in LA, did you think about pursuing more like music? I did. I did. A, like a vocation? I did. I yeah. thought, you know, this would be something really fun. Um, I actually had auditioned for a group <clears throat> to be a backup singer. And I remember when I was done with the audition and everything went really well. And I thought, I, uh, the music industry is a really tough industry. Sure. Anything that's in entertainment is yeah. really, really tough. Because your fans can be fickle. Yeah. And so you've got to, one, be able to manage your cash well. Yeah. And then you just got to be able to, you know, get through the tough times. And I, there are just things that happen where I'm like, I, I don't know. I know I'm a strong person. I don't want to test my strength. That's great so, attitude. What a great thought. May, I'll find opportunities to sing and other things. Yeah. And this will actually crack you up. Um, while I was in LA at the time, Duran Duran had broken up, gotten back together. <laughs> back to Duran Duran, I <laughs> knew then it. I knew it. They were auditioning for backup singers. I never got the Duran memo. Duran was auditioning. Duran Duran was, and so when I saw their backup singers, I'm like, I know all their songs. How did I not get this memo? Okay, well, Heavenly Father, you'll <laughs> you'll hook a sister up some other time, I guess. I mean, <laughs> of all groups, so that is the first time I've ever heard 
a prayer of you'll hook a sister up. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you end up coming back to Utah. What what got you started to audition for the the, the choir? So I love the choir. The music yeah. is amazing. Yeah, me and too. it just seems like there's something special about them. I think especially when you see them live. Yes. You know, the first time you know, and I, I enjoy their recordings yeah. and I enjoy music and spoken word on Sundays and I, I love all that. Then you hear it live it's and it is transformational. Amazing. Yes. I mean, it, it changes your life. Yeah. 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 And so I, there'd always been something in the back of my head that said, at some point you need to audition for the choir. Now, um, when I decided I was going to audition, so I am not a strong sight reader and you've got to be fairly proficient in sight reading. So I decided, well, I'll take music lessons. And I told my music my my piano teacher, I'm trying to just learn how to read music. So I want to learn how to play the piano, but I want to learn so I can audition for the choir. And she's like, well, I that's our focus then. This is what we're going to do. Wow. And so I figured I'd audition. I wouldn't make it the first time because that happens. Mm-hmm. People will not make it the first time. And, and then they give and you some notes. you're allowed to do multiple yeah. audition, auditions. They'll I didn't know They'll give you that. notes and say, hey, you know what? Work on this and audition again. And so I figured I'd get some notes and then I'd audition, and then I'd make it. Yeah. So I had taken piano lessons for about six to eight months. Mm. And the audition process, it's funny, when they post the information on the website, it's in July, around the July time frame. So they have a set audition time. They do. Is it once a year, twice it's a year? It's typically once a year. Once a year. Depending on the influx of what they get. Or what they need, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But for the last few years, it's been once a year. In July, mm. they post and say, hey. If you want to audition, you download the packet, and it's multiple steps. And so the first step, you fill out some information about you. <clears throat> you send a recording of you singing scales, singing a song, and they say, don't get too jazzy. We just want to hear yeah, we the quality your of your voice. Yeah. You could be amazing. No big runs. Right. Yeah. But you're in a choir with 400 people, so if you're doing yeah. a run and they hear you, it's not a <laughs> yeah, good thing. Yeah, it's probably not good. <laughs> You never want to get called out. Yeah, this is an American Idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I fill out the paperwork. I do my little recording. And the week that it was the deadline, I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to wait. And everybody has these stories. And it, for me, it was just a brief moment. Someone was like, if you audition, you'll make it. And then I went away. Wow. And I'm like, well, the worst they can say is no. Yeah. I can come back. And they do. And they say do. Say no to a lot they, of people. Yeah. <laughs> and they invite them back. And a lot of the, one of my closest friends who is in the choir auditioned three times. Wow. Before she made it. That is awesome. So, I mean, so the no isn't a no. It's so no. how was the actual, so there's a, there is a in-person audition. There is. At some so point. once you're done with the paperwork. And they sort through the paperwork and some people get the no right away. Yes. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. so if I were to do it. <laughs> They would hear my... <laughs> They'd say, oh, that's that's yeah. not a voice for a choir, but it's for something. <laughs> it's for something. Have you ever thought about talking on a podcast? <laughs> I know, right? Have you ever thought about never, ever singing again? <laughs> so I have... I'm, I'm tone deaf, literally. And I had... My mom got me a music teacher when I was doing musical theater. Oh. And she said, you're not tone deaf. That doesn't exist. And I can teach anybody music. We did f- about five lessons. And she said... You are literally tone deaf. She said, I literally cannot. You're the first person in 20 years. Oh, my god! I cannot teach to read music. I actually, when I sing hymns in church, I lip sync. This is true (laughs) because my voice is so distracting because I have no idea what I'm supposed to sound like. (laughs) I recognize good singing, but I can't hear my own voice. 
And one time when my son David was three years old, maybe four, he might have been four, I tried, I was singing a hymn, and my son put his hand over my mouth, and in my ear he whispered, Daddy, please stop. <laughs> and I don't think I've sung since. So, so this oh. is why I'm so in awe. And someday when we get our perfect bodies and everything, I will be in a choir in the afterlife. There you go. Because I don't, I don't get that opportunity here. There but, you go. But so there are some people who submit their scales and stuff, and they say, thanks, we're not interested. Right. But they called you and said, please right. come in so and you physically get a letter audition. And you, the first part is, do we have to do a test? It's a music theory test. It is. That's heavy. It is like the most horrific test in the world. All about music. All about music. music. And when you take a test, you usually have time to think about your answer. Sure. And then maybe even go back and mm. do – no, no. They cram so much in. There was one part where they said, you're going to listen to two lines of music. You're going to see them on the paper. Pick which one is wrong. So do you do this at where where is this being held? This is in the tabernacle. Underneath the tabernacle there's multiple rooms and there is a room where they administer this test. And so I, the pressure just sounds incredible on you, this thing. It's it's nuts. And so you're <laughs> taking this test, I think it was 2 hours long and you're you're moving at a pretty good clip. You never get to listen to anything twice. You never get to go back. You're just the pressure, the pressure, the Music pressure. Music theory. Wow. Yes. Oh. And again, not my strong suit. I left. I called up one of my girlfriends and I said, I'm never going to make the choir. This church oh, is no. messed up, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I just was crushed. Just devastated. I mean, because yeah. here, granted, I only had put in a few months of piano lessons. So it was still just intensely difficult. And oh. then I get this letter that says, hey, we want to hear you sing in person. So you'd pass the so test. So I passed the test. You passed the test. And I thought, Did, what? Really? What, what happened? All right. <laughs> so again, this this next stage, you are auditioning in front of both of the conductors, two of the sweetest guys, and they've got somebody in there who's playing the piano for you, and you've got And it's it, just you. And it's just, just You're not singing us, with anyone nobody else. Nobody else. And they just want to hear the quality of your voice. Um, they will sing with you so they can see, can you match tone? Just running oh. a couple of tests. So now I'm a ham. I mean, put me sure. in front of a group of people, and I'm like, oh, yeah. give me two seconds, and I'm in my yeah. element. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, yeah. sweet. So I show up. Everybody else is in church clothes. Yeah. I show up in some blue jeans, black boots, black jacket, and I sit down, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I missed that memo. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> right? Woo. And so I walk in, and they introduce themselves, again, super nice men, yeah. and I tell them straight up, I'm not very strong in sight reading. But I have a good ear and I can memorize. And I'm like, that's fine. We just we just want to hear. Do you want to hear you sing? And so I sang my hymn. Do you remember and, what hymn you sang for your uh, audition? I don't. Yeah. I, I wish I did. I don't. Yeah. I sang my hymn and then they gave me a piece of music and they said, we're going to, we want to see if you can read and we'll help you out. And we make it harder on ourselves because for me, I'm like, ah, and they were just so kind. Yeah. So, so kind. And I'm sure they've got people who come in and they're like, oh. We missed oh. that one. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. But you would think, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I've auditioned not for singing, but for mm -hmm. things and, you know, it's high pressure and people are not nice, but you would think that to keep the spirit, I would expect it to be, I would expect them to right. be kind and to foster, right. you know, the spirit there. So. And they were. And so then how did you find out you had gotten in? So huh, this is funny. I am at work one day 
And my poor bishop, he will never live this down. I am hosting a workshop and I've probably got about 30 people in this workshop. I'm in the back making sure that everything's going well. I've got a speaker and I get this voicemail on my phone because I didn't answer. I figured I'd catch it. And it's yeah. my bishop and he says, hey, Sister St. Felix, I just got a letter from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Um, I-, I wanted to check, are you in the choir? Uh, wait a minute. I hope you got a letter. You know what? Can you just give me a call? Click. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that poor bishop. It dawned on him as he's talking to you that you hadn't been told yet. He got told before you. So I walk out of this workshop and I call my bishop and I said, what did you get in the mail? And he stopped. He says, you haven't gotten a letter. And I said, I'm still at work. Read what you got. The first time that I've tried to exercise authority over my bishop. Yeah. You're telling the bishop you are going going to to tell me right now. Sweetest man. And he's just, he's on the phone. He says, I think you're in the choir because they just said that I need to release you from all your callings. (laughs) Wow. What a great way to find out. Yes. So I go back in the room and I email everybody. And you, the funniest thing is the people who are in the workshop, a group of them are LDS. And the ones who aren't knew that I was auditioning and the workshop came to a stop because all these heads turned back and went, you made it. Oh, how beautiful. <laughs> that is so wonderful. Yeah. So then you eventually got a letter. Yeah. So I went home. My letter was in my box and it said, hey, we want you to come and participate in choir school. It's this long. So and there's a choir school. There is. There's a choir school. So when sc- they bring in this whole new class. You go to choir you school all go once together. a week. And it is music theory. And is that before you start singing with it the is. choir or is it concurrent? So it you is. go through a training class first. Yeah. You might have a handful of opportunities to sing with the choir yeah. while you're in, in choir school. But choir school is really just to get you ready for the experience of being in the choir. Awesome. And so you go through choir school. It Again, hard because they're teaching you these concepts. Because once you're in the loft, in the choir loft... It's not like the conductors can come up to you and say, hey, Sean. That's what they call the area where yeah. you guys sing. I didn't know yeah, that. It's, it's called, called the, the loft. loft. Yeah. Well, see, I know that now. Now you do. Uh, next time I go to music and the spoken word, I'm going to go, <laughs> yeah, I sure love the loft. I'm just going to throw that out there like I'm some kind of, yeah, you notice how the loft kind of has that special feel. Yeah. By the way, that's what it's called. That's what loft. it's called. It's called the loft. I'm kind of on the inside of that stuff. Yeah. But so you... You Once really have to self-correct yeah. when you're singing. And so that's why the choir school is so important because they're just either helping reinforce techniques that you already have or they're teaching you these techniques. So when you get up there, because I was going to say, it's not like the conductor can come up to you and say, hey, Anne-Marie, you're a little flat. Yeah. They say, something doesn't sound right, so fix it. Yeah. And so you're in this group of people and you're like, is it me that doesn't sound right? Let me listen as I'm singing. And, and then it gets fixed. Yeah. And so you really have to have a super keen ear and just figure out how to fix it. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, that's so cool. So what was your first experience singing with the choir? So I'm sure that was memorable. Yes. So I can, so the my first memorable experience, because we got to sing a few times before conference, but my first experience that like blew me away was when I sang for general conference the first time. Now I just, oh. I love general conference. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used too. to go and sit at my brother's house and we would listen to everything and be like, Oh, all right. So good. It's on. We got to do this. We yeah. Gotta, I mean, just love so inspiring. It. And so here I am in the loft with about 400 people and we're singing the spirit of God. And we've got three men who start off the song mm. and 
voices are beautiful. And then the choir comes in and we're singing and we're singing. And I'm standing next to a woman who was in my class and I grab her hand and I'm looking around because I'm thinking there's no way there's only 400 people singing with me. Where, where's this extra power coming from? Like it literally blew me away. And then I started crying and I, the choir had an ad a few years ago for one of the albums called Glory, and it shows the roof of the tabernacle mm. about to – literally, that's what it felt like in the conference center. I thought the roof was going to blow off because I'm like, where, where, is this, where are these voices coming from? And I couldn't finish. And, and especially that hymn. Oh. I mean, that hymn, easily top five favorite when the choir sings oh it. Oh, my gosh. Because it that, that hymn, almost more than any, builds. Yes, and it builds, and it builds yes. to this crescendo until the fire is burning. You. I mean, it's just crescendo. Go ahead, loft crescendo. <laughs> I'm kind of down that way, Emery. I know, but it, it, it builds. I'm just trying to sound all you know, music, musicish. You, you, you yeah, are music. I'm good. So, but that that hymn just builds, and it's overwhelming. And so, to be in the loft, and to have that experience, and to recognize that it's not just the 400. There are other saints that are rejoicing at the messages that have yeah. just been shared that we don't see. It was, I'll never forget it. I mean, I, I, there was tears sure. and people will ask me, how do you not cry? Oh, no, we cry. Yeah. We try to hold it how in. How could you not? But we cry. How could you not cry <laughs> with that? I mean, I'm crying hearing the story. I'm picturing it and I'm crying. I mean, that is just beautiful. And of course, uh, so nuts and bolts, these are the dumb questions I have, The int- you know, what I find interesting. Is is there a full time seamstress tailor? I mean, you know, everybody comes yeah. out in the matching suits. Yeah, and I mean, matching. There's not, you know, there's no variation. No, in this there, stuff. there's no. No, we do have. There's a lot of volunteers, and so there are people that work on all the dresses. Um, for a while, Mr. Mack was the president of the choir, and oh. really helped the men so they could look sharp and. And, and Mr. Mack is a is a Utah institution yes i got my uh my coat Uh now i got my suits in california before i left Mm. then i got here and i went i called my dad it's far colder than i thought (laughs) he got special permission when he was out here one time while i was in the mtc and he said i'm taking you to mr mac because that's where missionaries go now there are a lot more options yep but it used to be if you went on a mission you went to mr Mr. mac Mac. period so he was the he was the choir president choir president yeah sweet man and so so they made sure that all the the -hmm. the men had the same suit shirt tie yep yeah and and we've got seamstresses that make sure that the women all look the same the dresses are so beautiful i mean just you're not a fan of the dress i can tell by the face you made i'll tell you from from my view (laughs) they look awesome i love it well and you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of positive things to say about the dresses too. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is that it's a uniform look. Yeah. Like we all. And they're drapey and beautiful. And, you know, I think they're beautiful. <laughs> I love them, but I didn't have to wear them either. So right. <laughs> they may not have been as comfortable. So one question, uh, Jason Bringhurst, who's a very good friend of mine. Yeah. He and I went and we we had friends in town for a trade show for our industry. And we went to Music and the Spoken Word a couple, uh, a couple of months back. And one of the things we noticed is, you know, we're sitting during the practice and even just the practice is like intense, incredible. And it was so perfect. And then they said, okay, now it's kind of a break. And in a minute, we're going to actually record. 
Almost every woman in the choir then stood up, grabbed a massive purse, and walked out. What is the deal with the huge purses? Like we couldn't see them. You can't see them at all. But every one of them stood up, huge purse, walked out the door. There's a lot, you know. You got to bring a lot with you, I guess. Women just carry a lot of purses, so it's not even a choir thing. Like here's here's my purse, and this is my medium size. That's a very small. Yeah, I mean. That's a well, yeah. that's a good size purse. It's a good, it's a good size. size. And so we just got stuff in it and yeah. munchies. It was so fun. Oh, and munchies. Because once you take your break, you're headed off. So you, so you step quickly, out and have a quick bite. Have a quick munchie. Yeah. And then you go back and <clears throat> time to sing. So during general conference, do they feed the choir? On Cause Sunday, because we're there all day. So we do get lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so bring they in take lunch. care of us. When you're at general conference, did you ever get a chance to meet general authorities while you're there? Not typically. They're, they're kind of busy doing their... They're really busy. Yeah, and, they're, they're pretty focused on their own yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And we want to make sure that they've got space so they can do what they need to do. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Makes, makes perfect sense. So, and then you got to do some touring. The one I want to know about most, <laughs> Brooklyn Girl, <laughs> gets to sing the national anthem for the New York Yankees. Yes. You're in Yankee Stadium yeah. on the field. Yes. What was that experience like? It was like? awesome. And I had the special privilege of being able to hang out. At the time, he was Elder Rasband and his wife. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like, it's funny because he's like, where's my Brooklyn friend when <laughs> when I was in the choir? And it was just so nice to just have that. He's as a so personal. wonderful. He's a sweet man. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And his wife. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Darling. And and now a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. Yeah. Incredible. Right? Incredible. So he was there. He was there because I I believe he was the mission president <clears throat> for one of those areas. So he had a special tie-in too. And so we both got to be there. We got interviewed and it just was, it was a nice little homecoming. Beautiful. Yeah. What's it like? So I, I actually watched the video mm-hmm. that somebody shot from their phone and the national anthem is always a reverent thing and the crowd's always great, but it seemed to me... This was special. This was different. You could see in the crowd, it was in the audience, mm-hmm. you could hear a pin drop yeah. from where he was. And the voices were just so incredible. What was it like standing out there and singing? It was amazing. The thing that is wonderful about the choir is <clears throat> as much as they are an institution in the church, they are an institution outside of the church. Yeah. And people love and recognize the music, the beauty, the spirit. And so it doesn't matter yeah. where we are. People right. know who we are right. and appreciate what we're bringing to the table. And I think the saints that were in the stands, I mean, for the choir to travel to that area and perform such a, a, a sacred song, I mean, it was just, yeah. you know. Unbelievable. It was special. Where else did you tour the, that's memorable? So the choir had an opportunity to go to Europe Last year. Uh, yes, I have to think. Yeah, last year. <laughs> and we were there for three weeks. Oh. And, oh my gosh. First of all, Europe is beautiful. But then to actually mingle with a lot of the saints, who a lot of them never thought in their lifetime that they would see the choir in their hometown, singing and performing. And just the love that you felt, mm. it was phenomenal. Wow. Phenomenal. And I think the choir had not, we hadn't left the country in 10, 15 years. I think it it had been a long stretch that we'd only been performing in the United States. So to go 
overseas was a huge, huge deal. And it was met with so much love. When you when you travel and whatnot with the choir, do members of the choir get paid for those types of tours? No. No, Mm-mm. it's still all volunteer. It's all volunteer. So everybody who goes and does this tour, they're taking time off work yes. or they're retired or yes. whatever else. Yep. By the way, what one question one of our listeners had was, what is the minimum and maximum age of the choir? Or is there one? I, so the maximum age is 60. So you can audition up until you're 55 because they ask you to at least give five years because it's yeah. a lot that it's you're doing. It's a lot doing. that they put into it, yeah. a lot of training and whatnot. Yeah, I... I know that a few years ago when they did have the Mormon Youth Chorus, that they opened up the age to accommodate the fact that they were getting rid of that particular choir group. Mm. So I think the youngest may be 25, but you can be in the choir for 20 years. And there are people that... And is that kind choir. of a max? Mm-hmm. After 20 years, After you 20 need to years, move on. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's so much dedication. I mean, this is so many hours. It's a part-time what- job. Was there a regular schedule for practice? Like we practice this day, we do mm-hmm. music and the spoken word, we do general conference, and then yep. were the were the other tours and things optional, or is this you're a member of the choir, you're going? So on... everything is actually optional, which oh, is okay. something that I think most people don't know. I did not it's know that. It's all optional. So we do um, have attendance requirements. Yeah. So so long as you meet your attendance requirements, you wow. can participate in as much as you want. So to. if you've got a Sunday that you're going out of town, that's my next question. Mm-hmm. Music and the spoken word is every Sunday. Do you need to sign out? Do you need to put in for time off? Do you need to get someone to cover you? I know. Well, you give them a heads up that you're not going to be there because you kind of have an assigned seat, but they try to to keep you in the same spot. But you give them a heads up so they know. But yeah, you just, you do your best to try to participate in as much as possible. But if you can't, you know, they recognize that life goes on. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. It's last week we had uh, Scott Christopher here, who's the actor, and he starred in a film called Singing with the Angels. And one of our listeners, Michael Pilkey, wants to know if Singing with the Angels is at all a depiction of what it's really like. As soon as I watch the movie, I will tell you. <laughs> I've not seen it. Oh, okay. I, and so I just feel bad. I saw that question and I thought, oh my no, goodness, right. I've got to got to go see this were you involved because i think the choir was the choir was involved and it yeah. was completely voluntary but and you weren't i just there had for the so shooting. much going yeah. on that i wasn't able to participate sure and so from what i hear people said that it they felt like it was pretty accurate but i unfortunately had not had a chance to see in it so well another another uh so another listener question uh i think you've already answered josh freeman wanted to know what the audition process was like uh, which we talked about quite a bit. And then a, a really interesting question from Ryan Snar. Ryan. Uh, who you know. <laughs> who I, I um, love him. He's awesome. And he, was, he wants to know what your most embarrassing moment was. Oh, Is I, there one? I have been thinking about this for a minute now because I saw that question come up and I thought, That was I on our Facebook page. Oh, I don't know if I have an embarrassing moment because when you're a ham, everything is great, you know? <laughs> it's just good. But I can tell you something that most people probably don't know. So when you're in the choir, uh, you have an opportunity to have like mini callings within the choir. And one of my callings was to be on the birthday committee. There's about 16 to 20 of us, and we get to go and sing happy birthday to the first presidency. No way. Yeah. Okay, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and so um, got a chance to meet President Monson, Elder Eyring, Elder Uchtdorf, and each of them would share like special little stories with us, which was just 
crazy insane. I can tell you about one time when we went to go and sing for Elder Irene and like he is just the sweetest person. Like he seems like he'd just be the most darling grandpa in so the world. Not that you should have favorites, but everybody does. <laughs> and they're just styles that connect, yeah. you know. My wife loves Elder Nelson. Oh. Elder Iring is my favorite speaker. Oh. He gets the spirit when he when he gets emotional, I get emotional 100% of the time. And I, I love Elder Holland. I love, yeah. you know, Elder Holland maybe has the biggest following, but for me, Elder Iring oh. starts speaking and you hear him kind of swallowing his words as yes. he gets emotional. Forget it. I'm gone. It's, I am it's sobbing. Over. So you got to sing. So we went to go and sing Happy Birthday to him. And we had two different songs that we were, we would do. And I will never forget this. And I don't remember the first song, but the second song we sang was an arrangement on I'm Trying to Be Like Jesus. Oh. Okay? Oh, come This story's going to, yeah, you're going to die. And so when we're done singing the song, Elder Irene and his sweet, simple majesty sitting there and is getting a little emotional. And he starts to share with us just, you know... Um, I think that most people know that his wife, she's not doing well. And mm. he was recounting, he says, every now and then she will ask, she will say, where's Hal? Where's Hal? And I'm right there with her and I get so frustrated, but I'm extremely grateful for you to remind me that I need to be more like Jesus. Oh. And uh, uh. yeah, we are looking at him thinking, excuse me? <laughs> Yeah. Um, you're you're a member of the Quorum of the Twelve we, being grateful for uh, to oh, be reminded to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. And right. it was probably like we're always very reverent when we go and visit them just because of, you know, who these these men are. And I've never had an experience like that. Like we walked we were silent walking to our cars. We were just all mm. overcome. Because, I mean, even the ones who we love and cherish the most and take our mm. example from, are so. Uh, how humble is that for him to tell us that we reminded him to be like Jesus? Uh, uh, yeah, we've, we've had this come up in some other conversations just about how, you know, when, when the brethren stand up and say, well, I was home teaching last Sunday. Or, you know what, we had a ward service project yeah. last month and I was digging you know whatever and yeah. I, I just wow yeah that's that is one of the greatest stories i've ever heard Emily. i will what never a sacred experience it. what a beautiful experience mm -hmm. uh what was your favorite thing about being in the choir what do you miss what do you miss you've been out now uh, for about a month about a month and a half now month and a half yeah um, do you wake up like going oh did i miss choir practice like you did it six years no so i wake up and i'm <laughs> <laughs> I wake up and I say, oh, I've got to go to church for three hours. <laughs> so I get up and I go to church. What I... Oh, because when you were singing with the choir, you didn't make it I to your own church, words because yeah. you had your calling. I had my calling. I was... I got up at 5.30. I was driving downtown at 6. We started rehearsal at 7.15. I didn't get home until 11 or 12 o'clock. So do they do the sacrament? What, how do they handle you sacrament? You just try to catch it. Just try to catch it somewhere, <laughs> catch it. So if you're, because if your ward meets at nine, you're out yeah, of luck. Yeah. So you, so I do that sometimes when I travel. Yep. I'll find a ward and just get out to the foyer and try yep. to, or I'll try to catch the meeting or whatever. Yeah. Oh, wow. So now you're sitting through three hours. Three <laughs> hours becomes 
pretty long. <laughs> but you get to sing. Do you sing in your ward choir? Uh, so we don't have a ward choir that meets regularly. Him. And that's probably good because your ear starts to get trained to a point where you start to pick up anything. And sometimes it's hard for you to enjoy yeah. like beautiful music because you're like, oh, come on back down into this key. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're wanting to direct people. I, I would assume that after singing with the with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for six years, uh-huh. singing in a ward choir might be a little bit struggle. Yeah, yeah. just a tad. It's, but, I, you know, I have an awesome ward. Yeah, and that's great. And they... The choir in that ward is great. So it's, I'm looking forward to hearing them sing instead of participating. And as an emissary and as a representative of the church and, a, and as a representative of God, you know, Stephen Jones was here a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Stephen Jones' dad is black, his mom is white. Mm-hmm. And we were having a discussion about when I travel, I have people who will say to me, Well, you got, you're Mormon, right? Why don't you guys have black members of the church? <laughs> and I go, Yeah, well, mostly because we do, many of them. <laughs> So you, as a black member of the church, did you have you found that people uh, did people have specific questions for you, or were people surprised by it? Um, not not typically, and yeah. I don't know. I think I have, I think I have a an aura and a personality that would invite if somebody had a question, yeah. and I I didn't really typically get that. I actually have more people who will look at me funny because my husband he's Mexican and white. And so they'll see the two of us and they're like, oh, like we had just gone out actually just a a little while ago. We went out to dinner and the woman brought the check and she says, will this be on one check or two? And he looks at me, laughed, and he holds my hand. This will be on one check. (laughs) Oddly enough, people don't ask me and my wife that. (laughs) Kind of funny that some of that stuff is around. So I, you know, it's all very innocent, but not... Not so much. I think it was just when I when we did tour a couple years ago and we were back east and I would see black members, they would hug me and they were just grateful that, you know what, there's somebody there that we can see, we recognize and we can relate to. Someone whose kids, mm-hmm. you know, you look like their kids. Yeah. I just think that that's such an inspiring, wonderful thing. Anne-Marie, you, it was always fun. Every conference, we'd look for you. <laughs> We'd pause you. That was my best friend in sixth and seventh grade. And so we would, uh, my kids would get excited. Where's your friend? That's and, what and I'm going to miss. This yeah. this coming conference, it'll be interesting. Because yeah. if I could, I mean, again, being in the choir, it is tough because it requires a lot. Yeah. But the output is amazing. So you right. get why, you know, you've worked so hard. Yeah. But my favorite was conference. Mm. I mean, if I could sing for just conference. Just, just go for conference. Because yeah. one, the music is always in sync with the message. And when you're in the conference hall, you can't mm. beat that feeling. No. And it's real. It's tangible. And I don't care who you are, you feel it. I think everyone should get the opportunity. Yes. We've been a, a couple times and it's like nothing else. It's mm. so beautiful. Well, this has just been a phenomenal discussion. I mean, I've I've learned so much about the choir, and and you're so great. We end every interview with the same question, which is a broad question. Everybody yep. defines it differently, but <laughs> what does being a member of the church mean to you? Uh, it it represents hope, and the reason I say that is, I think about the challenges that I have in life. I think about the challenges that are just out there that I am impacted by and the things that I understand, but I can't explain, I have hope for 
because in my mind, I'm trying to figure it out. And I am just grateful that there is somebody out there who has a plan, who has all the answers and constantly reassures me that I got this. Just trust me. I got this. Mm. Do the best that you can and it'll all work out to your benefit. So. Gosh, that just sums up what we all need to hear about the church. Anne-Marie, you are an amazing singer, an amazing soul. One of my greatest friends. I'm like, literally, I'm so emotional right now. (laughs) And I'm just, this has been, and I think people are just going to love hearing about you and the choir will be excited to see what's next. And you're a newlywed. (laughs) And congratulations. I know what I want to be next. (laughs) And uh, you are, (laughs) right. It's back to that checklist, right? (laughs) And you are uh, such a credit to our church that uh, I just, it's just beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, one of the great blessings of doing this podcast is reconnecting with old friends. So far, everyone that has come on the show has has been a friend, but uh, none have been friends longer than Anne-Marie. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was uh, what a wonderful experience to reconnect with her. And now you can see why everyone who knows her just loves her so much. Great insight on the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, it got me thinking this week in my Latter-day life about an experience uh, that I had a few years back. My wife was actually quite surprised that I shared uh, what a horrible singer I am. And it's true, it's miserable to hear me sing. And I've always been very self-conscious about it. I learned that I was a bad singer, a poor singer, in uh, musical theater. Um, I auditioned for some musical theater thinking I was a great singer, and we were doing the play The Wiz. And I remember when someone walked by me when I was in the chorus and said, "Uh uh-uh, someone's way off. And I thought, who is this guy who's throwing us off? Come on, guys. And sure enough, it turned out it was me, and I'm just a bad singer. So I've always been self-conscious about it, and I really do lip sync in church, or I sing really low um, because I'm just not comfortable with it. Uh, When I was 19, I got called into the mission field, uh, went into the MTC, and in the MTC, one night a week, we had a devotional, and it was incredible. We'd have all these missionaries, hundreds of missionaries packed into a room, and at the beginning, every week, we would sing Called to Serve, and the first week, of course, I'm not going to sing. By the way, all of my roommates were just incredible singers, Elder Anderson, Elder Nelson, Elder Reheis, voices of angels, and here I was, just less than angelic singing. But uh, each week we'd sing Called to Serve, and the first week I was a little bit hesitant until I started realizing how loud it really got in that room. And there were so many men and women there dedicated to the gospel, going out on missions, and we would just sing, called to serve him, heavenly king of glory, and we would sing louder and louder. And it was just incredible. And as the voices got louder, I realized my one voice is only going to add and that nobody is paying attention to how tone deaf I am. But uh, I started singing louder and louder. And eventually I was singing at the top of my lungs. And that's what happens when you're surrounded by goodness. We need a lot of voices out there. Sometimes we feel like 
Ours is the only voice out there preaching the gospel or standing up for what we believe in. And that can be daunting, whether it's in the office or talking to a stranger on an airplane or talking to your neighbor and you feel alone. Uh, You're not alone. There are many of us and we need to bring our voices together because where I am weak, where I fail, you might be strong and you're going to make up for it. But if all of us are preaching the word and if all of us are out there really sharing the gospel and uh, living it, then nobody's going to focus on one voice. And that was the wonderful experience I had. Since I left the MTC, I've never had an experience like it. I've never been in a room where the singing was so powerful that I could throw my voice in without throwing it off. But I will tell you one day, and I believe this with all my heart, uh, when I die, uh, I will join a choir because I will have a perfect voice, something I was unable to do my whole life. So that's all from uh, my Latter-day Life this week, but what a great, great show this has been. And again, thank you for tuning in. We so appreciate all of you who tune in. If you've got a message for us, please drop me an email. My email address is sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. I'm so grateful. We get uh, now several email messages each week, and, uh, you know, we had last week... uh, My friend Kit reached out, uh, who I grew up with, which was great. Lonnie, dear friend of mine, also from growing up, uh, not to mention some of you who I've only met through the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate suggestions for guests or uh, things that you like about the show. And if there was something you didn't like, we'd love to hear about that too. Um, If you want to see show notes, anything we were talking about, there are links to just about everything we discussed. can be found at latterdaylives.com. Also, a big announcement this week, we, you, can, you can now stream every episode of Latter-day Lives directly from the website. Uh, I built in a player. I want to thank uh, my friend Kurt Frankham from uh, Leading LDS. He actually sent me a message saying, hey, I wasn't able to download the most recent episode, but I went to the website. Can you really not stream from there? And that inspired me to go out and take a look. So thank you, Kurt. You are a great example, as always. Uh, So you can stream every episode directly from there, and uh, so glad to have that up there, and we'll keep that up. But show notes are up there. You can follow along, click on any of the links. Remember, Latter-day Lives can be found on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, TuneIn, and most places where you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're Latter-day underscore lives. Facebook is facebook.com slash Latter-day lives podcast. And on Instagram, we are at Latter-day, or sorry, Latter underscore day underscore lives. Uh, Folks, we just so appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. And until next week, and as always, remember, there's a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.